it's something that we all do every day and if we're not doing it with someone else then we're doing it with ourselves in our own heads. I'm talking of course about communication. Last year Philip Frey, nice alliterative name, was kind enough to invite me to join him on Valiant Growth Podcast. We talk about communication skills and the value of coaching and psychotherapy. I hope you'll enjoy that interview, which I'm playing for you today as episode 5 of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast with me, Anthony Samaroff. Hello and welcome to the Valiant Growth Podcast. I'm Philip Frey and today I will be talking to Anthony Samaroff. Anthony is a life coach from the not-so-distant Scotland and in general a valiant explorer of the world of self-knowledge and personal growth and has recently released the course Surviving to Thriving, a Personal Transformation in Six Lessons. Anthony, did I miss anything there? No, that was a fantastic introduction. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Philip, on, on Valiant Growth. It's my pleasure. My, my pleasure to have you here. So what I'd like to begin with is life coaching. I would mm. like to ask you about that. Uh, I have done therapy, but I haven't done life coaching. And could you explain just what it is and what kind of impact it can have on someone? Right. Well, that's a very interesting question. I do offer counseling and therapy services as well. And some people want a mixture between the two. I guess I would say that therapy... If you envisage a garden, therapy could be more about pulling up the weeds and removing what doesn't need to be in the garden so that it can grow better. It's about creating conditions for growth. I'd say that life coaching is more about planting flowers. and Life coaching, I guess, is a bit more of an active process. Although whether I was approaching a client as a counsellor or a life coach, my main aim would be to demonstrate understanding of someone and help them feel like they're heard and understood. And then on top of that, maybe asking questions to help expand their thinking and see further or consider things that they hadn't considered. So that's what the two have in common. The nature of those two questions and what you build on top of those might differ quite greatly. So, to be honest, I would rather not label what I do as therapist or life coach. I'd just like to say that I make myself available to spend time with people and give them the quality of attention that they need. The quality of attention that they need would differ from person to person. Just like, you know, when you go into the garden, you don't just water everything. Uh, if you do that, some plants will die. You need to look at the garden and see what it needs and try and adapt your approach to the moment, the, 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 the situation that you're presented with. So that's quite a long-winded answer to your question. What results can people get from life coaching? Well, I would hope that what they got was clarity over how they could move forward to attain for themselves whatever they value, whatever things that they would like to improve in their life, to see those things improving and to feel confident as decision makers in their own life, to feel like they are the authority and they can, of course, gain support from other people around them and use the information that they that they get from other people, but ultimately they trust themselves to be a good decision maker. And personally, I believe that everyone has within them what they need to make good decisions in their life if they have the right support. If they don't have the right support, then they might just be rattling things in their head, going in circles. They might not be able to see outside of uh, whatever narrow views that they've convinced themselves of, which might be self-limiting beliefs about themselves and their own capacities. They might be inclined to act on whims that might not be from the most confident or the most well-resourced part of themselves. 
And having the right support helps you work through negative emotions, helps you draw on other people's capacities, helps you feel confident and competent. And that could take the form of good friendships and good relationships and can take the form of having access to a professional such as myself or a mixture of both. For some people, having someone that's not a close friend or a partner or involved intimately in their personal life helps a lot because when you go to your friends and things like that, the first thing they may be inclined to do is just offer you lots of advice and even with the best of intentions. But what what I would like to do, although if I know something that might help someone, I wouldn't keep it to myself, I would share it. But I don't see my main role as giving someone advice or being a teacher because you can get all that stuff off YouTube or an audio. What I would like to do is help facilitate people in being confident in their own abilities and build everything on top of that. Right. Well, uh, I really appreciated uh, the garden metaphor. I think that's really, really fitting. And uh, then you preemptively answered all my questions on the subject. I wanted to ask you, how would someone know that they... So yeah, everybody has, or most people have, a friend or a partner or, or members of family who offer some kind of support. And how would they know if that is insufficient and they might need more more professional help? Well, I guess what would push people to seek more help would be a general feeling of dissatisfaction. I think a lot more people could benefit from help than realize they do. In fact, sometimes I wonder if everyone should get some help from a professional some of the time, not all of the time. I mean, for me personally, if I have someone come to me for six months, I'll often suggest that they take a break before restarting if that's something that they want to do. How would someone know that the support network that they have is insufficient? I would say that they've got a vision of the kinds of things that they would like to be doing with their time and the kind of aims or outcomes they'd like for their life the next year or two and they don't feel like what they're doing is congruent with what they know that they'd like to be doing or leading them in the direction of those aims. I think that's pretty good indication that you would help, you would benefit from someone coming in to speak to who will empathize and understand you first and foremost and then on the basis of that empathy and understanding will then bring in a new energy into your experience that you can then use to sort of change the direction, start changing the direction of what you're doing from day to day. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. And also my my perspective on this question would be that um, you usually have the level of support in your life that you yourself are capable of giving. So it's kind of a trade. And um, yeah, it, you might really benefit from learning from someone who has more experience and knowledge. Mm. And then you can upgrade your own support network outside of that. I really like what you're saying, Philip, and I even think that it kind of sparked something off for me because I think we tend to surround ourselves with people who have a similar pattern or or energy to the one that we give ourselves. For example, some people who are even listening to your show might remember that sometime in the past they used to associate with people who treated them a lot less well than the people who they've got in their life now are treating them. So on average, the people you spend time with will treat you as a kind of composite as you treat yourself. You know, you might have some people who are, who are nice to you and you've got some parts of you that are nice to yourself. You might find that getting 
access to someone who will give you a quality of attention that you're not ready to give yourself or some of the people in your environment might not know how to give you will actually help you see what that's like and actually be able to help you affect change in your other relationships by increasing your expectations of what quality of attention that you need by getting better at asking people to supply that to you and also by modeling, by being able to give a better quality attention to other people, which will make them go, wow. And um, naturally, you know, we are to a large degree a product of our environment. We take things in and we've only got what we've experienced to go on. You know, what, whatever the, whatever the future holds, um, that's really quite hard to say. The, the mind is a storehouse for, from our previous experiences. And if you haven't experienced certain things, then you might not even know they exist. So you never really know what you could get out of speaking to someone who's got experience in helping facilitate people in their growth and has learned some good tools. And I would, consider it very limited if people weren't getting massive benefits outside of the coaching sessions and seeing those reflecting outside, you know, having knock-on effects and improving other things that aren't even related to the coaching. Yeah, I uh, I can absolutely agree agree with that. I, this was my own experience as I, as I went into therapy, seeing what my therapist did and how she approached the question of support and giving proper feedback, it it just raised the bar, to put it very simply, and there was just no going back from there. It it really opened my eye to my eyes to what kind of possibilities there are out there. That's so cool, and uh, thank you for sharing that. It's really nice to hear you say that, and uh, the smile in your voice as you acknowledge that things have been improving for you since you, you know, you took that risk and reached out and got some help. Yes, yeah, and if we're on the subject of uh, therapy, so I know, as you said, you don't really split them off, but I want to address it separately as well. So one of my aims with this podcast is to promote the idea of getting into therapy as as i said it has been very beneficial to me but it is something that people have a hard time getting into mm-hmm. and they sometimes struggle to see how it is relevant to them and i'm still thinking on how to bridge that gap mm-hmm. but i can rely on your wisdom so what what do you think about that Hmm, what a great question. Well, first of all, I've been to therapy myself and I've had a few different therapists. And so I, for me, the first thing that I would say is the fact that you've got, you've gone to therapy yourself gives it more credibility and gives me more credibility if I want to sort of nudge people in the direction of getting that kind of help, getting therapy. Um, I also received some coaching, mostly around improving my business, by the way, just so that you know. When, uh, a couple of years ago, when I, when, when I, one of the times when I went to therapy, I was advising some of my friends went as well, and it did create a knock-on effect where like three or four people I knew were going to the same agency who actually gave people an assessment and tried to pair them with a therapist that they thought would would be best suited to meet their needs. So I think being an example, um, becoming confident yourself in the benefits of therapy and <clears throat> being a wholesome person, being a wholesome influence in your environment, being the person people can come to when they've got a problem or an issue and really listen to them and being being a person who has attained some happiness in your life, some personal qualities that are admirable, some integrity, someone who does things that other people around you think are worth doing and has personal qualities that they think are worth having will generally make you the kind of person who 
people would hear that advice from. Being interested in personal development will give you credibility when you try and get other people into personal development. If people get a sense that you're just trying to get them to change because it would be more convenient to you if they were le- if they were more healthy. Now, nothing will put people off so much as that. So we we change the world best by changing ourselves. Do you know what I mean? You need to start with yourself and, and do what you can to make yourself the kind of person that you'd like to be, uh, the kind of person that you'd value. And you'll sort of attract people that value that too. And you can tell them that you've benefited from therapy. You can tell them that you enjoy having deep, meaningful conversations. And um, the fact that you're an example of that is is what's really going to sell it. Not not um, people don't listen to what you say as much as they listen to what you do. Yeah, and and that makes a lot of sense to me. And I will thank you for your advice. I'll definitely incorporate that. Does that match your experience? It does. It does. Um, I kind of, uh, I tried to sell therapy, so to speak, mm. uh, before I got into it, and it did not work. But once I had the connection, um, I was much more convincing, and once the change was visible. Do you think the average person should get therapy, or is it is it for the people who had really bad childhoods or had severe trauma? Well, that's an interesting question because um, it really does dovetail from your last question. I mean, I had a friend say that one of the reasons why he went was I, after talking to me or checking out what I was doing, he was like, yeah, you gave off the impression that therapy was for everyone, not just for people who've had severe trauma or something like that. I personally think that in this society... The way that the way that things have gone, everyone could benefit from it. Whether everyone needs it, well, I mean, needs. What do you mean by need? Are you going to drop dead if you don't get it? Probably not. Could you attain a much late, a much higher level of happiness if you saw a good therapist? Uh, I think so. I think most people could, and not no one. Almost no one in this society gets the quality of attention they need as a child. I mean, we put most children in front in a classroom of several, you know, I don't know, 20 to 30 other kids and one teacher. No one is sitting down with the children, finding out what they're interested in, what they'd like to learn and so forth. As adults, having someone pay that level of attention to you you know, finding out what you're interested in, finding out what's going on for you, how that feels, what that's like, how that developed, where that can go, what you would like to feel like, and just giving you that quality of attention, helping you develop in itself, it can be immensely incredible and healing and also new for a lot of people. And if it's not new, that it will, st- it will, it's like the garden, you know, you need it's one of our basic needs to be seen, to be heard, to be understood. And um, the, the the garden itself has needs, and one of the the human needs is that. The gar- it's not going to grow without having its needs met. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And um, I agree with your perspective. I think, I think most people would... De- they don't... Yeah, they don't need to go, but they would definitely... Mm-hmm definitely benefit from it i think as a society our standards at this point on what constitutes a healthy childhood really need updating and there's a there's a lot of understanding that's happening as we speak on this subject and we learn more and more uh, that we shouldn't accept depression and low Mm. self-esteem and lack of motivation and other things like that is just a normal random thing. Yes, but as a indication of, of of some winding. So so yeah, creating a space to bring those wounds into 
into the light to you know to look directly at them and have support going there because it sometimes can be quite intimidating to go there and i think that it is genuinely pretty difficult to go there on your own it is it is it um it takes a level of well it is it is a position of high vulnerability and mm. since we have often been abused one way or another especially our trust and our ability to confide in someone uh doing that again as an adult at this level can be pretty difficult but i think a good therapist will definitely understand that and really be helpful and gentle in the process so anthony this is a classic question how do you find a good therapist what is your opinion well that is a good question i mean um i've had some pretty bad horror stories from some clients that have gone to therapists who've said things that have actually wounded and i've had i had one or two experiences of that myself where i actually went away having to process my therapy session instead of ha- instead of being able to process the things that i was trying to process while at it so it is important to pick a good therapist i think that you'll know that a therapist is a good therapist if they can genuinely stay with your material and are warm sensitive and empathetic and don't jump in to correct what they perceive to be your wrong perceptions um as soon as you make them but can actually spend some time just staying there and letting you develop if they challenge you they do so sensitively uh, and that, that doesn't mean that i mean you know every therapist should have kid gloves on at all time but that they know that when they're challenging you that the level of trust that's been built up can sustain that challenge in the way that they're challenging i'll often say to to my clients if i feel like they have expressed either a wrong perception which is not that often or they're just looking at uh, an issue from one angle when there might be another way that they could look at it that might benefit them and i would simply say something like would you mind if i challenged you on something that you said and because we have a high level of trust and there's a lots of connections there they'll often respond by saying something like of course of course yeah and they want to they want to hear it and it's it's not something that i you know i find myself doing all the time i i don't feel like like that's necessary because it's not my job to give people the correct conclusions it's my job to help them find the correct conclusions so for themselves so i would say you'd know a therapist is a good therapist if you know that your needs matter and that your emotional responses are valid and important and if you if something seems a little bit right or off you should be able to notice that you don't feel good about the interaction and that there might be a reason for that it's not like you don't feel good about the interaction because a wound's been brought up and you need to face that a lot of us will go through difficult times in therapy but will come away from them feeling that it was good what i mean as something will come up and you'll feel unpleasant towards the therapist you'll feel like you've been mistreated now the que- the what will what will tell you if it's if it's been a a bad interaction will be that if you can bring up that with the therapist with the practitioner either there and then or if you're not ready to in the following session they're actually willing to go into that and have a proper conversation with you about it and try and sort it out um if they become very defensive and i have sadly experienced that then that's probably a bad indication because that means that you can't work through 
difficulties that are arising in the therapy. So I guess that that would be the main red flag. In terms of whether you know that it's working well, well, I suppose you'll know because you'll feel like growth is happening. You ought to feel like growth is happening uh, and that um, that your expectations are increasing. Would you like to add anything to that from your own experience? Yeah, I uh, I fully agree with what you said. Um, yeah, what I'd add to that is you... Hopefully, when you go into therapy, what you're looking for is growing self-leadership. And what you're not looking for is a replacement parent for your adulthood. And those moments that you talked about when there's a, there's a, there's a conflict, perhaps, or uh, some kind of negative experience, and bringing that up is absolutely... Uh, a very, a very good way of testing that, uh, of, of what kind of role they, they want to assume. Do they want to just replace your thinking and just provide their own, own versions of reality or are they there mainly to aid you in being able to do that yourself? Something else that I wanted to talk with you about and that I know is an area of your focus is communication. To me, this is a pretty new field, and I haven't done a lot of exploration here, and I'm guessing it might be to my listeners as well. This is, it's often talked about, but they never really go into, into the deep end, kind of in, on, in the mainstream. So I was very excited to have you on the show and uh, for this opportunity to ask you about it. Okay, sounds great. Yeah, so... Tell me, why why should someone study communication? Like, you can just speak the truth however it comes out, and if the other person doesn't react properly, you just classify him as emotionally immature and keep moving, right? What am I missing there? <laughs> right, well, first of all, I think that you're overestimating people in, the, in their capacity to just tell the truth whatever way it comes out. I think that a lot of people find it immensely difficult to tell the truth or um, or to say what they're really feeling or to advocate for their own needs. And even doing that is nervous for them. Second of all, they might very easily confuse their own personal judgments with the truth. And... Um, that 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 that's also a risk because you you essentially you've asked quite a few questions so I'm trying to I'm trying to see how to break it into sure. into smaller questions for someone who's having difficult with self advocating the field of communication is fertile with approaches to being assertive that will seem less scary and risky than the normal approaches that uh, people take because I guarantee that most people not only don't know what they don't know about communicating effectively but that their parents or and the adults around them were not usually excellent communicators who modelled them communication skills. So... Um, it can help with assertiveness. The other thing is it can help with making a connection with people. If you can't know how to listen properly, know how to do things like paraphrase to demonstrate your understanding of someone, you can build a lot better connections with them. And then when you need to assert yourself or dispute or enter a dispute, you're a lot more, your, your relationship is a lot more likely to be able to stand those kinds of conflicts because the connection's stronger. Um, conflict is a normal part of life. There's nothing wrong with conflict unless you don't know how to do a conflict effectively. A conflict is just um, when people don't... Um, and when when two people want different things, and sometimes that's solved instantly. You know, someone says to the other... Uh, I need the car this afternoon. And they say, well, oh, I was going to drive to the shops. 
and then say, well, why don't you give me a lift on the way and then, you know, you can have the car. Well, they might not have even noticed the conflict because it was resolved so easily. Most conflicts aren't as easily resolved as that. And so um, having some conflict resolution skills and problem solving skills in your toolbox will really help you be able to move those con- kinds of conversations into win-win problem-solving conversations rather than playing the who's right, who's wrong game, which so many of us often get tangled in. Yes, and you might you might get away with a few improperly solved conflicts, but every time the connection is, is weakening and eventually it, it might end the relationship. Yes, you're right. Um, the, you know, the, the, the quality of the connection is the most important thing when you're, when you're speaking to, to loved ones or people you care about because that is, that is your relationship. You know, the qual- the connection, the connection is your relationship. When you're not connected, you're not in relationship. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's very well put. So what are some, some of the skills that you see that most people don't have and where they would most benefit from having in everyday life when it comes to communication? First of all and foremost, the ability to slow down and focus on the other person and what they're saying rather than your own internal dialogue. Your own internal dialogue can be going on there, but if you're just trying to think of what you're going to say when the other person's finished talking you're not really in conversation with them you're in conversation with yourself if you've got an if you've got a point that you think's really important to make and you're bursting i'd like you to imagine putting a pen in it and pushing it over to the right side and with the knowledge that if that's still important later on then you'll be able to bring it back and express it to the other person while the person's talking giving them your full attention and and when they stop talking not just to say whatever's been going on in your head but actually to be in the moment and having heard them say what they had to say take a moment feel into yourself and respond to what they've just said rather than your internal dialogue now a really good pro tip is in some cases to summarize what the other person's just said to you to make sure that you've understood them correctly. And if you can, if you can do that in one or two sentences, then you're a master. You'll notice that you get, uh, amazing experiences of connection and things like that when you just paraf- you say something like, okay, so are you saying that? Or let me just make me sure that I got you right there. And either that person will say something like, yeah, exactly. And they might even go deeper and feel like they've got something more to add to what you've said. Or they might say, well, that's not quite it. And they'll correct your perception of what they say. The added benefit to you is that if you establish that with someone, they're likely to really, really, really listen to you when they respond uh, when you when you respond to what they've said, they're more likely to take on your advice. They're more likely to seriously consider your point of view. And uh, and if you disagree with them, they're more likely to feel like it's a good natured discussion where you're both trying to find the truth rather than you just trying to correct their wrong perceptions, which uh, a lot of people find quite patronizing or off-putting. Yes, and... I noticed you using these techniques even in this conversation, so I think this might be very instructive to the people listening and myself. That's really funny because I haven't I haven't noticed, you know, see when you practice these things, they just come become part of who you are. They become a natural way of of how you communicate. I I remember noticing uh just myself saying saying to people things like, Oh, it sounds like you're really frustrated about that once they've uh, expressed frustration or if someone says tells a story of sometimes some concert they s- s- said or something like that 
um, or something that's happening, I, I hear myself saying something like, wow, you sound really excited about that. Just, you know, just mirroring what they're feeling. It's, it's just become a natural part of who I am, a natural part of the way that I talk. Uh, but it didn't start out like that. Like every skill, it was a conscious learned process. I, I just remembered another thing I wanted to add to my answer to you about why people should learn about communication. And that is because we're communicating all the time. If you're not in communication with someone else, then you're still in communication with yourself. Things are going on in your head. It's one skill that will always be indispensable and you'll always find opportunities to make use of. It's ubiquitous. So one of the things is if you can find out really, really great ways to communicate, then you'll at least know what you'll at least have something to measure that by. You'll know what that looks like. That might not mean that you practice it all the time or you reach that level at all times, but at least you'll know what kind of level you could be being inspired, be be aspiring to. What I really, really liked about your answer there is the perspective of inner dialogues. Mm. And that is often overlooked. And in my experience, people are especially bad communicators when it comes to their their inner inner dialogue and how they address themselves and were they to put that out into the world that would be often very mm-hmm. they would be shocked on how vicious and disrespectful it can be at times and these are things that we learn in our childhood so mm-hmm. could you could you elaborate on that on on the on inner dialogue Yeah, I think if someone spoke to you the way that you speak to yourself in the worst, you probably would never speak to them again. Um, we, we can be really cruel with ourselves and especially when unpleasant emotions are triggered in us, we have these voices inside that often berate us. And in a way, I think those inner dialogues are sort of trying to help us using the way that they learned how, um, But, but the, they are a representation of how you know how to communicate and what you, what your values are in that respect in a sense that you might shame, you know, you might shame yourself for not meeting your own standards, but are your, are your values that you have to be perfect or are your values that you're always learning you're always reflecting on your own experiences and getting better if you can learn not to measure yourself by your perfect perfect unachievable standards but instead see yourself as on a journey from sort of ignorance to knowledge or 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 wisdom then you can reflect upon your own experiences and say "Eh, i wish eh, I wish that I would have done this and next time maybe I'll do this rather than, you know, I'm such an idiot or something like that. And you can get good practice by giving other people around you the benefit of the doubt. And when you communicate with them, um, assume that if they knew better, they would be doing better until they've proven otherwise And um, when you see that working well with other people, and if you can surround yourself with people who give you that kind of treatment, then that will also help you retrain your inner dialogue. And it works the other way. You can slow down your thinking and say, look, you know, how am I actually thinking at the moment? If I was speaking to a friend or my beloved or something like that, and they'd, they were in a similar situation, Um, how would I speak to them or how would I advise them and do it nice and slowly or you can write it down. Um, if you're experiencing a lot of unpleasant emotions and you're thinking quickly, a great way to help process that and move to a more productive level of thought is just to get a pad of paper and just write it all down without censoring yourself just the way that it would come out in your head. Yes. And I think bringing, bringing, just, just simply bringing awareness to that can be so powerful. 
in really really uncovering what is going on in our heads. Another thing that I wanted to ask you about is there some people are afraid that if they become good listeners other people might abuse this quality. Mm. So if I I really master the art of listening and people really enjoy telling me things, I might never get to bring up my own perspective. What's well, your opinion on that? Well, I guess it's not sufficient just to be a good listener. You probably have to have some assertion skills as well. It's not been my experience, I have to say. I found that being a good listener has meant people are much, much more interested in whatever I have to say. Um, I'm still, the, the little wounded child in me is still often amazed and in awe when I, you know, when I go out and meet people or friends of friends, I'm at social in, in event or something like that, of how interested people are in my perspectives and what I have to say, because I, I wasn't always on the receiving end of that level of interest and curiosity as a child. So you do need to have balance in all in all things in life. I think that if you can provide uh, people a good ear and be a good listener, they are likely to ter- turn around at some point and say, yeah, but what about you? You know, I've been doing all the talking. And if they don't have the self-awareness, I mean, I have on occasion met people who can just talk and talk and talk with absolutely no awareness of others um that's okay i mean that they're they're going to be the first person to lose because people will get sick and tired of them and you might be one of the first to so you know turn around walk away and spend your time with spend your time with someone that you feel like you're actually in a relationship with not just a cup that they're pouring what you know water out of their jug into yeah, I got I got this perspective from um, Free Domain Radio where Steph says something along the lines of treat people the best way possible and then treat them as they treat you. And I think this mm-hmm. is applicable to, to listening as well. You can bring your best foot forward and then based on the reaction, adjust adjust whether you want to keep talking to this person or not in the future. Yes, for sure. Well, you certainly don't want to to keep toxic people in your life. And if if they if they've conceptualized you, then they might just see you as a vehicle for their own ego or whatever. They they might not actually know how to form proper connections. Uh, you can put your best foot forward and try and model, and maybe they'll learn some things from you. But then maybe they won't, you know, maybe, and if, if they don't, then it's up to you who you spend your time with. It's your life and, and you, you've got a limited amount of time in this planet. So you should spend that time in relationships which you find edifying and mutually beneficial. Yes. And by the same token, I think the more you develop your, both your listening and your communication skills in general, the more you will attract people like that and it's entirely possible that you might have had people like that in your life before but because you couldn't offer the same level of value that Mm. they might have had they kind of disappeared and you weren't you weren't aware of that because you weren't Mm. aware of the issue yes and you might not you might have had people that weren't good listeners or 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 and anything like that, or weren't good communicators, and you didn't know notice because you weren't that great a communicator yourself. Uh, only when you actually learned these communication skills, you actually raised your standard, and you knew what it was like to be on the receiving end of good communication and a good quality of attention. And then you, you know your standards raised, and either people around you might have noticed the difference and mirrored because sometimes what happens when you bring a better level of communication to your relationships is certain people will actually they might not have those skills but they they might start mirroring them they they might feel like they're getting something slightly different and will actually be able to reciprocate and then there's other people who just 
who just um, don't have that sensitivity or that capacity. But it would be another example of changing the world by changing ourselves. So, you know, raise your standards. Yes, and it's really, it's really beautiful when you can. Uh, I mean, hopefully that's, or ideally that's the best case where your your own growth awakens the same in the people around you, and it's just so so beautiful to unfold together. And I personally have this experience with a few people, and we've kind of been growing together as we as we go along, and. Uh, that is so so valuable and so beautiful. Yes, wonderful. I'm glad to hear that you've you've experienced that, and and so have I. And it's one of the most beautiful, touching things to experience is that, um, you know, you you affect the change in the people around you, not just by what you do, but by who you've become. Yeah. So you convinced me on the value of communication skills, and um, my next question is. Other than awareness, other than mindfulness, which is, I think, very valuable in itself, how do you approach learning these skills? Um, also, what kind of resources are there out there that someone can begin with? Well, I think if you go to my YouTube channel, YouTube forward slash Enrich Your Life One, I've got a bunch of free videos on there on improving communication skills. And I think that's a pretty good way to start because I wouldn't have put anything out there unless I thought that it wasn't being addressed adequately by the resources that were already available on YouTube. I think my videos are short, concise and offer a lot of value and information. And to be honest, it's only a few hours probably to check out everything that exists on that channel and it's free so that would be a worthwhile resource other than that yeah there's there's a lot of good books on communication skills the first book i ever read on communication skills was called how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk and that was actually a book for parents but a lot of the skills in that book can equally be applied to adults if you just change your tone. The classic how to win friends and influence people, non-violent communication, a language of life, has got a lot of really good tools in it for communicating, for listening well, and also for being assertive. Although, in my experience, it can be a little bit clunky to apply in day-to-day situations. So when I got that book, I did practice NVC quite assiduously for a few months, and I found a lot of value in that. But then I tended to just not really use it, but I kept the underlying philosophy of it, sort of, if you will, in mind, and just tried to apply that general, some of the general tools without actually using Nonviolent communication as a as a language or a formula itself. Although I think that if you get into a bad conflict, you could do a lot worse than actually doing NVC by the book because I think I think it does offer a very interesting way of asserting yourself that is unlikely to provoke defensiveness in people compared to other ways of expressing yourselves. So there, there, there's a lot of communication literature out there. And yeah, there, there's my YouTube channel. Well, thank you, Anthony. I, I appreciate that and your work in general. I think um, it's beautiful that there are people out there who are putting out free, free material mm. for people to benefit from. Well, I guess we're both in the same boat in this regard, but you have more experience. Well, you know, we're here for a short time, and if you learn something useful, then you can do a lot worse than to share what you've learned, because, um, you know, there's a lot of garbage material out there, not not to be nasty, but I mean, they're all, they're, we're bar- barraged with information, there's lots of popular media and things like that, that YouTube's full of just... Um, mind-numbing nonsense so if you've got something really useful then 
you want to put it out. You want to you want to share what you've learned so that it can benefit other people. And you're you're actually making use of your experience, especially if you didn't know these things and you got poor results and then you learnt those things and you get better results, then there's lots of other people out there who are still gaining poor results and could benefit from your knowledge and experience. And so, yes, it, it's important for me to to share the knowledge and experience that I've gained that's made my my life better because it validates the the difficult you know the the the, the difficult bit sharing sharing the fruit will sort of give meaning to the the difficulty the difficulty of growth that preceded that fruit you know yes and it is it is kind of it is a satisfying experience is what i find when people benefit from your learning for sure i think it, you when you when you ask someone for advice in a sense, you're validating their existence. You're acknowledging that their life has been meaningful and worthwhile and taught them things that you might not otherwise have the opportunity to learn. Yes, and also another another benefit that comes from, from this, at least for me, was it really, really helped me clarify my ideas and kind of deepen my, my own learning because it's one thing to have it in your head. It's another thing to put it on paper or in a podcast or a video and really clarify the message so that others understand it. Yeah, you found something really important there. Um, I think it's a, a Hindu proverb goes to learn, read, to know, write, to master, teach. And when you start to teach something, you need to organize that information better in your head and really learn it. And when you know you're going to teach something, your priorities change. You start looking at things slightly differently. You start looking at things with the idea of mastering the the conceptual side of it and being able to recommunicate it with fluency. It's like your your files on the outside. Well, the the files in your head need to be better organized in order for you to, to, to teach something for other people. So you're definitely the be- first beneficiary of teaching something to anyone. Yes, and I really recommend this to listeners as well. Find find a way in which you can teach. There's so many possibilities now with the internet, and I don't think you have to be necessarily an expert. If you're just one step ahead, you, there are already a lot of people who can benefit from that one step and from the interest that you can raise with that that can be very valuable that is true because you know we're all all only one step ahead of someone and one step behind someone so you know never doubt the value of anything that you've learned that's made your life more wholesome and while we're on the subject of creating material i want to ask you about your course I know that it has been recently released. Am I correct in that? Yes, yes. It's not it's not long since it's been released. That's called Surviving to Thriving. And it does combine the best of what we've learned and well, in a life dedicated to personal development. Um I spent quite a lot of time going through my own notes, going through all the documents that I'd created with notes for possible articles or things that I might might write and brought brought together the best of what I learned in one place and in the correct order. What is it about and who is it for? For anyone who would like to attain to their highest potential, really, potentially their highest potential, what I have done is really try to take the trial and error out of personal development. Personal development can be hard. You know, you look in all sorts of places and you might not necessarily be sure what will work or what won't work until you've tried it for quite a long time. And what kind of feedback have you been getting so far in the course? Well, I have to say I've been absolutely delighted with the feedback. It's been pretty incredible. I've got a quote from someone here actually now that you mentioned it who 
messaged me with some late night feedback. He said, it's incredible how much of these things that I've actioned and I didn't even realize earlier today that the thought processes came from the course. I've started using to-do lists um, and count down to five when angry to relax. I've burned off 13 pounds of fat, improved work efficiency and confidence, made huge steps forward in my relationship with my partner. I went back and looked over my notes and it's all there. These actions were caused by thoughts which the first module tickled out of my head. So I'm so happy thinking about all the little improvements I've made that I almost teared up as I typed this. So far, incredibly positive. Thank you for the excellent material. And that's some feedback that I got on just the first lesson of the course, actually. The course is full of six lessons, and I created them by going through all my notes and bringing together the most important things that I'd learned that I had no doubt in my personal development and then organizing them into six lessons over a course of six months. So it really does combine the best of what I've learned in a lifetime of personal development. What are the six parts to it? So the first lesson is called What's the Difference Between Surviving and Thriving? And that is really a self-exploration that will help orient someone towards attaining to their happiness, attaining their highest potentials, rather than simply living a life where they're trying to avoid immediate discomforts or or unpleasant emotions and kind of staying in their comfort zone, which is more of a survival mode than a thriving mode. The second module is called How Do We Grow? And I figure, like in nature, everything has needs. We have similar physiological needs to an animal, but we have much greater emotional and psychological needs than any other animal does. And the second lesson will primarily focus you on becoming excellent at meeting your needs. If you meet your needs, then growth happens. And that takes a lot of the difficulty out of it because you're not trying so hard to be better or other than you are to to magically heal, but actually to give yourself the conditions for growth, knowing that if the environment is right, then growth will happen. The third lesson is on authenticity because I feel like a lot of our unpleasant feelings, a lot of our suffering comes from not being true to ourselves or not having been true to ourselves. So the third module is designed to help you get more in touch with your authentic self and then bring that out into the world, into your relationships and to help you relate better. The fourth lesson is on emotional well-being. I think that's extremely important because I can't think of anything that governs the quality of our life more than our emotions. So the fourth module is designed to help you learn to attain a greater level of emotional well-being. The fifth lesson is called Taking Responsibility. And that's one of my favorite lessons in the course because I think that taking responsibility is a gift to yourself. We tend to think of it as scary or burdensome, but that's only because, well, it was foisted on us unceremoniously by caregivers who might not have been quite aware on how to best coach us into taking responsibility for ourselves. But ultimately, whatever you take responsibility for in your life, you will see improve. And whatever you don't take responsibility for, you will see deteriorate. And and the, the ironic thing is, you know, we've we've no choice over whether we're responsible or not. Even if you don't take responsibility, you're still responsible for choosing not to take responsibility. So you might have heard the Henry Ford quote, whether you think you can do it or you think you can't do it, you're right. Yes. Well... Whether whether you think you're responsible or you think you're not responsible, you're still responsible. So if you make taking responsibility a conscious process, then you will do a lot better for yourself. And lesson five of my course will really, really help you do that. The sixth and final lesson 
is called Making Life Awesome. And that's a cool note to finish on. And I guess in order to find out how I help you make your life awesome, you'll, you'll have to get the course because I don't want to give any surprises away. What I like about the structure is it's in an arc, you know. It goes from surviving to thriving, how we grow, authenticity, emotional well-being, taking responsibility, and then making life awesome. So each lesson builds upon the previous lesson. That sounds very exciting, Anthony. Thank you for sharing that sneak peek into it. And I'll probably do a review in the future. Might be in the distant future, because I really want to go through it properly. Right, so the last thing that I wanted to ask you about in regards to your course is the price. And I'm a pretty frugal guy, and I'm thinking some of my Mm -hmm. listeners are as well, which basically, to me, it means thinking carefully about spending. Sure. Saving on things that don't matter so I can invest in things that are really valuable. So when I look at the price, it's 297 and if I understand correctly, that might increase in the future. And I say to myself, mm. okay, that's, that's around 10 ebooks or it's a couple of therapy sessions. So what I'm mm. curious about is how does your course compare to those alternatives? You're not going to get what you get out of my course through any number of ebooks because it's, an active process that you engage in. It's not something that you just uh, passively read and take into your head and go, oh yeah, that sounds interesting, that's really true. It's not primarily about conceptual information. You actually participate in filling out exercises and self-inquiry and it'll take you in a journey of deep and deepening self-inquiries that will help you attain to your highest potential. I am aware that $297 isn't nothing. You know, it's not like just a few dollars for an ebook. But what value? The the value of it is is not the price of the program. The value of it is the price of what you'll get out of the personal transformation that the program can put you through. The value is 15 years of my life looking at different opportunities for self-growth and then arranging that in the right order in order for you to actually take advantage and follow it like a thread. If someone really takes this course seriously, dedicates themselves to it, goes through the lessons and actually performs the exercises and maybe does the same again six months or a year later and sees what other results they can get from it. I have no hesitation in saying that they will find the the, the price of the course to be more than worth it. In fact, if you actually go through the course and do all the exercises and you come away thinking that it wasn't worth your money, I would have no reservation in in refunding the full fee to you, and you can keep the course, because I'm really, really proud of what I've done here. If someone could have offered me this 10 years ago for, you know, $297, I would be only that too happy to have paid it for the for the amount of time that it would save me. And I I don't mean that in a conceited way. I would be embarrassed to put out a product that I didn't think that was worth the price on it. I put my heart and soul into this. And I think that if other people who buy the product put their heart and soul into it, they'll they'll definitely see results and definitely feel like it was worth parting with cash for. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to me because that is that is my experience as well. I, I did some other courses and... Well, books books are useful for growth, but it's usually a pretty slow process, mm. and it usually takes a it takes time to connect things up. And when you're actually generating answers and being interactive with the material, that's when the breakthrough moments occur. At least that was my experience. Yes, exactly. Myself, one of my my favorite things to do 
is go to seminars and workshops and retreats and and I, I just love those active processes and I find so much more healing in them than just reading books even though I've done a lot of reading as well. Yeah, I, the, both of them have, I think both of them place and um, they aid one another very well. For sure. Right, Anthony, I thank you for coming to the show. It's been a very pleasant chat. Thank you. And I hope we'll talk in the future as well. Yes, I'd very much enjoy that as well. All right, please check out Philip Frey and the Valiant Growth Podcast. If I manage to wet your fancy about my personal development course, you can find that at BeYourselfAndLoveIt.com. Before we go, I would just like to thank those people who kindly donated so that I wouldn't be out of pocket for the hosting of this podcast. Pat Gilbert, Dan Kalhoff, Matthew Rex, Christine Ulla Landry, Peter McCain, Rimda Goisman, my brother Jonathan, Check out his music at meandmyguitar.com and Anne-Louise Whitelaw. If you would like to donate to the Be Yourself and Love It podcast, you can PayPal me, frequency528 at hotmail.co.uk. Until next week, be yourself. Well, don't just be yourself. Be yourself and love it.